0: You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the Event Horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening. Whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. My regular co-host, Susan Fox, is not with us this evening because she's working on a seminar. And our guest today is Fred Strange, the author of The Star Child Prophecies. Welcome to the show, Fred.
1: Hello. Welcome. Glad to be here. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's it's good to have you with us. Um, we had uh we had spoken uh to some degree before the show uh about your book and um, you know the the process that by which you got to getting it published. Um, the the book is a coming of age story. Uh,
1: kind of, kind of. Um, it's it's a uh, it's well i turn it more of a fish-out-of-water story in a sense. Mm-hmm. It's, um, um, the, the main character is a 13-year-old girl uh, named Aurora Celeste. Um, just, you know. And mm-hmm. she is from you know, a future Earth. Um, I, I pulled uh, kind of a... You know, I, I kind of imagined a very Star Trek utopian mm-hmm. um, universe from which to place her in. Um, and... The story kind of starts off with, with her starship being attacked. She loses her parents and gets stranded on this alien planet, um, where the culture is very much in a kind of a med- middle ages setting, mm-hmm. and the inhabitants, instead of using technology, uh, mainly uh, their main use is magic. So.
0: Well, that's that's an interesting it's an interesting turn i mean it's yeah. y- you it builds in some obvious uh obvious conflicts and contrasts right away um i think you mentioned to me that um that you had sort of borrowed from the disciplines of uh, uh established you know popular mythologies and just sort of uh, glued them together <laughs> if you <will. laughs>
1: Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, like I said, I, 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 I you know, I, I borrowed uh, at least, you know, you know, pretty heavily from the from the unit from the Star Trek universe mm-hmm. in order to kind of, you know, get the the setting from where Aurora comes from, and then you know the 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 planet she lives on is you know, is D and D. It's Star Trek meets D and D. Is is mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> uh, in in its most simplest basic terms.
0: So um, so the the book re- reads like. Um um uh what's what's the word for it a traveler uh, there's a uh, um, a uh, popular role-playing game called traveler and it reads like a game session of that
1: <laughs> <laughs> probably um I'm actually well I, I've seen that in my in my mm-hmm. work experience I've seen that uh, uh well, seen it, that, I but think this is.
0: It, it's a perfectly valid I think it's a perfectly valid approach I mean the idea mm-hmm. uh, if you're if you're new to writing, especially um, one of the uh, uh, one of the most time consuming aspects of writing any book, especially science fiction, is developing the backstory, and mm-hmm. uh, it can easily take you know uh, more than half the time of writing the book is involved in setting up the backstory and and oh, yes. and doing the world building so that everything makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if you if you have some of this. Uh, already in mind you sort of have a shorthand approach that you can use to yeah. get the, to get the story going and you know right. it's it's maybe not the best solution but it's a solution and it can be made to work
1: well the the yeah i mean and the the most common thing that 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 anybody you know it's a cliche amongst writers is you write what you know mm-hmm. you know and you know i'm you know, I'm a, I'm a Star Wars, Star Trek, you know, fan. And, you know, I, so I, I obviously have been immersed myself in that world. And, you know, and I did do role playing in later high school mm-hmm. and in, in, in college. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and D and D was one of them. I was, you know, I, 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 I almost immediately jumped into just straight out GMing, um, D and D games. Um, I, don't recall actually playing as a player. <laughs> mm-hmm. <you know?
0: laughs> I just no, that's that's start. how I started out too. I started out just as a just, as a a, a a dungeon master.
1: Yeah, just, you know, I you know, just I, I never actually played as a player in in a, in a, in a you know somebody else GMing that mm-hmm. kind of game. I I I, I very quickly.
0: I I know. created level one dungeons for my friends. You know, because we were all starting out. This is back in nineteen seventy four uh, when uh-huh. Dungeons and Dragons was first published in the first place
1: yeah. and
0: and so we, we yeah. were just uh, we were enamored of it and uh, uh so i made level 1 dungeons and you know we had no idea what we were doing and it just made no sense at all <laughs> so i just put in all sorts of wacky stuff like oh, yeah. I, I had an official uh my my dungeon had an official greeter you know because it was supposed to be training ground <laughs> and he would greet all of the all of the new players to the dungeon oh, and funny. uh you know his name was presley Right and and uh, you're laughing because you know what race he was. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a stretch to guess this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, the uh, uh, to move on with the point, uh, 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 I think role-playing games are a great way to just sort of start the ball rolling in terms of imagining stories and understanding how stories are put together, you know, beginning, middle, and end, because you have to do it on the fly, uh, when you're, while you're playing, or you're participating, or you're thinking about what would your, not what you would do, but what would your character do? And, uh, so right. it's all about story development and plot development and, and, uh, and working all this out so that it meshes with what other people are doing. And, uh, you don't realize it while you're playing, but you really are developing all the basic skills that, uh, a fantasy or science fiction writer needs to have. And dead silence. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fred. I guess I should, I guess there should have been a question in there. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's actually, it's very true in this, you know, um, cause, you know, I mean, you're, especially for me, cause, you know, and I, you know, I used to do you little stories, you know, when I was, when I, you know, when I was very young, um, you know, then, you know, fan star wars fanfic and things like that. And, um,
0: a lot of writers start with fanfic, an awful lot of them do.
1: Yeah, and so it's I, a wonderful uh, vehicle. You know, I used to do that. I had unfortunately I had a uh, I had a really n- terrible teacher in term and in, you know, pretty much destroyed my writing. Um the the methods that she used to try to get um her students to write stories um actually did the opposite for me. It shut everything down. Um uh she'd use these little prompt cards. Thing you know, it, you know, start off a story like you know two paragraphs worth of a story, and then you have to end it. And I hated those things. I, I, I could never take that and figure out what to do with it. You know, you I mean you want you want me to write a story? I'll just I'll just pop off something off the top of my head and I'll write a story. But she couldn't accept that. She said, "No, you must write from these from these cards," and it shut everything down. I hmm. refused, and and. You know, but um, what,
0: but you found a way to reignite this later on, years later. I've, yeah, I mean,
1: my my creative talents, um, as I told you, but you know, obviously we're you know we're recording this, so I might as well you know put it into the you know put in the thing. My 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 dad was a musician, <laughs> and so um, I got raised you know from birth, literally, uh, around music, and so that kind of became and you know, I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a professional recorder and and, and, and and so on and so forth. I I really caught the music bug. And uh I was in choir and singing all that time, you know, all all the way through school. Um and, you know, I I fancied myself, you know, going in that direction, you know, and and, and you know, I eventually got to the point where I was writing my own stuff. So all my creative writing, you know, went into music lyrics and stuff uh-huh. like that. Um, and then, you know, I couldn't find anybody to play with me, right. uh, you That's know, my, a my, lot of, my a piano lot of st- skills, my piano skills being very limited, mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't find anybody else who wanted to play the kind of music that I was writing. So that just never well, happened. And a state. lot of,
0: a lot of musicians have that problem, but, you know, even, even there, um, working with music gives you a lot of the tools that you need to, to, uh, uh work out, um, the creative structure of, of, uh, of written, you know of written works, um, yeah, I mean, novels and short stories and things like that. You're, when you're did still, you? You're still you're still telling a story. Yeah, you're still telling a story. You're a just poetic, using... you know
1: usually in a po- poetic usually mm-hmm. in a poetic form, but you know I mean obviously there's a standard format to to to, to lyric writing anyway. Mm-hmm. And you know and then you know you have to you have to match the beat. You have to match you know the certain timbre sure. of, of things that you're doing and mm-hmm. you know and, and that trans- and stuff, that
0: translates and to story beats. And, yeah, exactly. and organizing yeah. your story ahead of time. And you, you were, uh, uh, how did you get your book, The Star Child Prophecy? How did that begin? What was the, what was the first steps to this? And I understand that this process took you actually quite a long time. Yeah. To, to I, get from started, start to finish for the whole book.
1: Yeah. Well, it, from the point that I started actually physically writing it, and I'll go into you know I'll I'll backtrack a little bit into to how that got started but from the point I started writing it uh, to the point where I <laughs> finished the last chapter uh, about 3 years had passed um and I you know I did it in fits and starts so it'd be you know it'd be write a little and I it'd be it'd be little sections um what what got this started was um soon after the first uh of the Star Wars prequels, episode one came out soon after that came mm-hmm. out. Um, I was looking around because I, you know, a huge Star Wars fan. I saw the movie, yeah, it was great, and I was looking around for more stuff on it. Um, you know, uh, you know what are they going to do for number two? Um, uh, and I found this message board. Um, I'll give it a bit of a plug, it's called Nightly Net, nightly.net. Um And it was a Star Wars message, Star Wars based message board. And oh, they neat. they started on that basically speculation. What was what was episode two going to be about? And they were just, you know, just rabid fans. Uh, but then it expanded out to include other things, Star Trek and, you know, James Bond and, and Indiana Jones. And then there was a whole bunch of other and there was a fan fiction board in, in there. I mean, message boards with a huge thing back, mm-hmm. you know, right around, you know. I guess we could call it turn of the century in a sense, you know, around 2000, you know, 99, 2000, <laughs> that's, that's, 2001. It's you
0: know? a funny way to put it, but you're right. Yeah, turn of the century. <laughs> turn of um, the century.
1: You think turn of the century, you're going to 1900s, you know, uh-huh. yeah, but that's actually.
0: There, yeah, there's been another one since then.
1: There's been another one since then, but, um, you know, that, you know, that was a huge internet thing. We'd gone away from, you know, you know, kind of the, you know, this is before Facebook and before all of those kind of things. So the message board was really the only, good way to communicate across you know that kind of thing um and so here it was and they had this they had this fan fiction thing and this idea of you know this placing this this particularly this a child you know um plucking her out of that star trek based you know very much star trek type universe and plopping her into a dnd world mm-hmm. and How do you survive in that? How do you, how do you deal with, you know, everything that you know, everything that you've been taught, everything that you know how to deal with is useless, you know, or, or, or next to useless. You're, 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 you know, because you deal, because
0: you deal with the world in terms of technology.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And now now suddenly she's
0: thrust into a world where none of that applies.
1: None of it applies. She's, you know, she's she's orphaned. She she's got a she's got an android companion. I mm-hmm. kind of, you know, I kind of took, you know, data from from the Star Trek thing and shrunk it down to a female form. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's basically she's got this 3-year-old, you know, or 3 foot tall android companion, you know, like mm-hmm. a little sister type thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but that's basically, you know, that android is her only connection to the life that she had before um uh, before well, that's, she that's landed on this planet.
0: That's interesting. That's wow. And that's, so, and an so she, she's
1: alone. Uh huh. She's stranded. She, I mean, how the hell am I going to get back to what I know? You know,
0: uh-huh.
1: how do I get back to my planet? I have no way to communicate with anybody. I have no way to call out for help. You know, I'm stuck here. And then, lo and behold, the whole prophecy in the title is in the in the you know it, it kind of came to me slowly in the in the process of the, of, of landing on the crash landing on this planet. She gets a a scar. Mm-hmm. A a four point star shaped scar on her cheek, and that identifies her as the Star Child. And there is a prophecy on this planet that wraps around her. Effectively, once they discover that she's there and who she is, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, it really sets a uh, you know that basically sets the story in motion and sets the ball you know ball rolling
0: so it's interesting because uh what you're describing is um you know normal. you usually have this sort of event uh as the kickoff event you know within like the first you know uh, first 15 20 pages of the book mm-hmm. you know right. th- this happens and uh, it sounds to me like this is something you sort of discovered rather than something you came up with
1: well i the, the it it kind of you know, the, the, my writing process is, is basically I, I see images. I more, my, mm-hmm. let me, let me rephrase that. My storytelling process is I see images. And I'd probably be much better if I was, um, a comic book animator or, or, or an animator animator or some kind of a movie. Because I can see everything in the in, I can see the story played out in pictures. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I have absolutely no drawing ability. <laughs> uh, I can, I can uh-huh. barely draw stick figures, so I have to basically take what I'm those images that I'm seeing, and, and sometimes they're you know they're like little snippets, movie sequences, as it were, you know, or or storyboard type. You know, I see those images play out, and then I have to basically translate because i can't draw it i have to translate mm-hmm. what i see into words to kind of you know verbally you know tell the you know paint the picture in words that i'm mm-hmm. that i'm seeing and sometimes i succeed in that sometimes not so much <laughs> well and get a little redundant and the process
0: that you're the process you're using is uh uh it's very much the way it's supposed to be done there are, um almost nobody can just begin at the beginning and write straight forward and get to the end. Uh, yeah. Ray Bradbury could do this as a matter of fact. Right. That's how he wrote. Everything yeah. he did was not only written uh front to back like that, but w- it was first draft. He never edited himself. Everything that yeah. he everything he wrote that was published, that was the original first draft of it. It was yeah. and he's the only writer I know of that's like that.
1: Yeah, uh, I've I've heard of a few. Well, maybe not maybe not that good, but I've heard of a few that can just you know they'll just sit down at their typewriter or at the computer and you know they start the start the story going and then wherever mm-hmm. it goes, you know they follow, you know well, wherever their fingers take them, they they go. And I kind of envy uh, envy that. Yeah, I, I can't do there that. There aren't I have to, very I many. Totally
0: plot that out. There aren't very many who can do that. I mean, yeah. uh, uh we've had other uh, very very accomplished writers on the show uh-huh. and uh, their approach is always uh overview you know figure out where yeah. you're starting from where you're going what your where you're chari- yeah mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. your what your character transform transformations are going to be like mm-hmm. uh, uh, what the story beats are and then plot it out you know and yeah. so and and it, it gets plotted out piecemeal you know, yeah. it doesn't you yeah. don't necessarily do it. Do it,
1: I, do it of, I do it out of sequence. Uh, yeah. on top of that, so I'll you know I'll mm-hmm. think of I'll think of something that happens at the beginning of the book, then something that happens at the end, and then you know, and then something in the middle, and then something at the end again, and you know, mm-hmm. and it, it just you know, it's 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 not in any kind of an order, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I I use an analogy elsewhere. Of, you know, it's it's you know, you're writing a story, you 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 start at point A and you got to get to point z mm-hmm. and, and and my little and my little peach picture sequences will be you know d and then <laughs> you know i'll uh, and then uh, you know x and then you know uh l and then and then you know r okay. and then what my and the reason why it took me 3 years in many cases is you know i mean Obviously, life happens. Life mm-hmm. gets in the way and stuff like that. But my problem always was is I could I could I see those images, see mm-hmm. how those things play out, and I could write that in 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 no time flat. Okay. But then if I, I've got you know if I've got A mm-hmm. and I need to get and the next thing in my head is D, I've got to somehow connect B C mm-hmm. to get yeah. to D. Yeah, and, and it
0: and it all I has to make sense. All sorts and, of
1: writer's block, trying to think of how am well, I going to you know logically it, connect. Those two sections together.
0: Well, and you also um, have uh, you also you have know, to take into funny. account the the, <laughs> the character funny. arcs yeah. uh, uh, and the complementary arcs that are supposed to be happening throughout the story. How many subplots did you have in your head at a time as you were writing this?
1: Oh, well, let's see. <laughs> there, well. The the main villain had a actually there's there's two main villains mm-hmm. uh, in Star Child. Um, there's all sorts of powers that are kind of vying
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, for control here. Um,
0: well, and you have good wizards and bad wizards, and, and you've got people good who wizards
1: are- and bad wizards. You've got you know it's it's I mean, it's pulled from D and D. You've got good clerics and bad mm-hmm. clerics.
0: Yeah. And it's um
1: there's a very very much a a a church structure um in this in this world and the head of the church uh, the patriarch uh is very interested in the is very interested in the this star child, you know, thing. Mhm. And he creates this order called the righteous order because he doesn't think the people are pious enough Mm -hmm. there was a plague earlier in the history and he didn't think the people were pious enough so he starts this this ultra religious order and
0: he must not be very happy about the appearance of the star child because this prophecy is supposed to be fantasy and suddenly here she is
1: Exactly, and there is the warning. The part of the prophecy names his particular order. He was warned by the wizards not to start the order, and certainly not to name them. What he names them, he mm-hmm. calls them a righteous order because it's named in the prophecy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you name you name yourself. You name this order, this this you know righteous order, and you're vo. Invo- you're you're running the risk of invoking this prophecy. Which and is a bad thing
0: and lo and behold here comes the star child and surprises everybody because it, the odds against this happening are well ast- astronomical. astronomical
1: literally yes exactly ah, excuse me <coughs> so you've not only have the this ultra religious order mm-hmm. on top of just the normal clerics you it's 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 just, it's a level above it's a level beyond it's they're dabbling in you know the clerics have magic that they can do you know you know, if you want to call them miracles were as it were mm-hmm. but they have they have you know they pray for certain things to happen and they happen and this other level is magic even beyond you know kind of you know a little bit more offensive a little bit more mm-hmm. you know
0: aggressive Aggressive, aggressive in nature, such.
1: they're then, out evil wherever they can find it. And, and then you and have the two
0: companions of the Star Child, both of whom—I mean—the whole point of uh, the whole point of this this uh, the bottom end of this story, so to speak—is is that these kids come together and have to deal with a, a very large problem that's much bigger than they are.
1: Yeah, you, you, you've got, you've got the, you've got the religious order, and actually where this goes to is the religious order creates their own worst enemy, not in, not in Aurora, mm-hmm. but in the form of Vincent, who is really the main bad guy here. Um, their, their overzealousness actually gets corrupted such that they end up really teeing off a, a a new wizard and he goes berserk. And so
0: so are so sort of in the a sense
1: is caught Aurora in a sense and the whole prophecy is her being caught between these two forces and everything else mm-hmm. is trying that's these two opposing forces and then you got you know you got other forces that are trying to fight against both of them so So it's, what's you know, the what's
0: the turning oh. point? What's the what's the point at which Aurora decides that uh, that she is now in this up to her neck and she has to do something.
1: She's literally being pushed um, into... Everything is just going beyond her control. Um, She's suddenly... Again, she's orphaned. She's alone. She has no idea how she's going to get back or Mm -hmm. if she can ever get back. And she's got these figures that are pulling at her in every every which direction she's got the the king the high king of the the kingdom that she landed in pulling her in one direction she's got Mm -hmm. clerics pulling her in another direction they've got to do something about this vincent guy it's all Mm -hmm. these things that are beyond her control she knows she knows nothing about this world in 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 a sense zachary and 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 chris Are Mm -hmm. not only her companions in terms of fighting with her, fighting alongside her, but they're also teaching her, you Mm -hmm. know. Yeah, because they're,
0: they're the natives in the world and
1: they're the natives, exactly.
0: And, uh, they're sort of underdogs themselves, aren't they?
1: They, Exactly. Neither of them. they're, They're, they're named in the prophecy too. It's, it's the three of them named in the prophecy. And, and so, and so they're being pulled just as much as she is, but they know something of what's going on they They understand it, and it's mm-hmm. basically the two of them that have to that that have to try of convince her that you know you really don't have a choice in this matter. you might as well accept that you know, <laughs> uh-huh. you know
0: that this is this you're, is you're going to happen here, with or without you with
1: this and you know,
0: uh-huh. with or without your cooperation, this is moving along.
1: this is moving along and no doubt you know if you don't do if you if you don't step up and 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 take your place in this prophecy. Mm-hmm. uh you know things are going to go in a very bad way for everybody
0: so, so um how long did it take to get from start to finish uh writing the book and how much longer did it take before you were able to actually publish it
1: well like i said i did i i would, I, I jumped onto that that fanfic message board and i mm-hmm. said can i just write something other than than star wars fanfic fanfic they said go ahead so in Uh, I either late 2000 or early 2001. I'd have to go Mm -hmm. back through and find out. But um, I I started. You know, I had this idea. Okay, and that's you know, so and I started writing out little snippets, um, parts of chapters. Really, it took me. It would take you know three or four of those snippets that I wrote, kind of serial form. Um, yeah, Charles Dickens kind of did did it that way, actually. Uh, some of his books, he would write in. He would write part chapters or so, um, and have it published in a little magazine. And then it, after everything was done, he'd put it in a, together in a book. So I kind of mm-hmm. kind of pulled from that idea. I I'd write, you know, I'd write little snippets, you know, whatever pictures, those images that came to mind, you know, and usually about you know five pages or so mm-hmm. of stuff. And I just you know crank that out real quick and throw it up on there. Um, and then wait till the mood struck me again before I could write another, you know, throw that up and throw that up and throw that out. So, so it's it, basically about three years of, you know, fits and starts and stuff of, mm-hmm. of putting that out serial. Form well, and it gave you all it done. gave you
0: that important time to breathe and think about what you were going to say while you were working on the sections.
1: Yeah,
0: it's a lot of. It strikes me that a lot of uh, a lot of the authors that I've spoken with uh, over the past couple of years started off writing fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they don't always talk about it, <laughs> <laughs> no. you know, but this is um, uh, I think this is an important uh, an important stepping stone. And this is one of the reasons, actually, that we like to talk to beginning writers as well as the advanced ones, because it's very easy to look at, at uh, somebody like John Scalzi, who's got so many books under his belt, or, you know, or Kevin J. Anderson, who writes six novels a year, uh, sometimes with a co-writer, sometimes mm-hmm. by himself. Uh, but he does this at a blistering pace, Aye. and it's very easy to, to look at that and say, oh, God, I'll never be able to do that, but you can. You start out small and you start out with the basic things that you already know how to do, like writing fanfic. Right. And, um, uh, I know storytelling of- a
1: storytelling aspect of it. It, it is. It's, it's, it is a storytelling pulling, aspect. You know, I'm pulling, I'm pulling from D&D storytelling. D&D, mm-hmm. D, you know, G, I mean, st- storytelling, you know. Um, as, as, you know we we kind of conversed about it in an earlier conversation it's it's the it's the idea of you know being able to gm without having the players out and muck it, muck everything else
0: <laughs> yeah you it's know? winston churchill once said that that the best battle plans never withstand first contact with the enemy or something similar to that.
1: Exactly. And in D&D sometimes mm -hmm. it it, it sometimes doesn't withstand too much from the Allies either.
0: You've Um, you've heard the story about the dreaded gazebo. (laughs) You know, it's a, a, a guy who didn't know what a gazebo was decided to Take on a gazebo in Mortal Kombat, and the results, uh, the results were hilarious. And it's an <laughs> apocryphal story. And a friend of mine says he swears he knows the guys who were there. Wow! So <laughs> you know, I can only imagine. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. it was pretty. And he uh, na- he named names, so I tend to believe him. But
1: uh, I don't I don't doubt that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that gives new meaning to to tilting at wind windmills, doesn't it? It Ooh, does. Don-, Don Quixote all over again. It
0: does. Very. I'm going to so. attack
1: this gazebo. Do you have? Yeah, exactly. Do you so, have any
0: idea what a gazebo is? <laughs> uh, and, and apparently not. Yeah. But exactly. so I mean the, as as as, the next know, step, as
1: as a as a, G, as a GM, mm-hmm. you know, you 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 have these grand ideas of where you want to take your characters and everything like that and then the players decide that they're going to go off in another direction and you are just sitting there going, "Oh god, I got to think of something else now." You and know. this is
0: and this happens story, a start, lot.
1: know, writing a book, I don't have to deal with that. All the, story, all the characters do what I want them to do. So,
0: well, and, unless your your character is so well developed and you know the the character As though it was your own kith and kin. And you realize that in order to get from point A to C in the story, you have to go through point B. And that character absolutely would never do (laughs) what you have planned for point B. And then you're screwed. Yeah, yeah because now you have to think of something that will work that the character would do right or take that job away from him and give him give that uh give that task to somebody else exactly. The next thing that I wanted to ask you about was what you decided to do in terms of distribution now i I take it you really hadn't given a lot of uh energy and thought into getting a publisher and finding a publisher for it
1: well. I mean, I you know when I, when I when I got the idea that you know this was going to be, I was going to write this story. It's it's a big story. It's an epic story. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, I I, <laughs> I didn't realize until obviously much later when I did actually put it in book form, I didn't realize just how epic it, it turned out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I, I knew this is something. You know, I can publish this. I could. I could. I. This is something that could. I could make a book out of. And and so even even early even in the early stages of writing it, I knew. Okay, this is this is going to be. It's going to be a big novel. How do I get? You know, how do I get people interested in this? How do I get? You know, how do I get a publisher interested in this? What do I need to do? Who would publish this? I mean, obviously there's. I knew of certain publishing houses, uh, Tor and, mm-hmm. and Dell and and such, you know, that specialize in fantasy and science fiction stuff da, like that.
0: DAW books and DAW,
1: right? Exactly. Da. So, okay, how do I get in touch with these people? You know, when 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 I when I you know, and like I said, I I you know, this was early on in the writing. When I mm-hmm. eventually get this thing done, however long it takes me to get this thing done. When I eventually get this thing done and have it all together. Then what? You know, how do I get in touch? How do I send it to these people? What do I need to do? Um, and somebody mentioned it lo- along the line of literary agent. Well, how the heck am I supposed to get in touch with one of those people? How do I? So I, I finished it in 2003 and basically, you know, and, and, you know, life takes over in stages. And so I, you know, I, I would, I would leave it alone, come back and edit it a little bit mm-hmm. and then leave it alone and edit it. And all the times that I'm doing that, I'm, I'm thinking how the heck? Yeah. How do I send this out to? You?
0: And this is the result of kind of working in a vacuum. You're exactly. not not knowing very many people who are doing what you're doing. So that's the the value of working along with other writers and and joining writers groups and things like that. All
1: right. Um, I and it's
0: it's tough. It's not an easy thing to get an agent.
1: I ex- exactly. And I did not know anything. Mm-hmm. and it 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 falls into the same line when i was thinking of being a musician and i wanted to be a recording recording mm-hmm. artist you know playing music singing music you know get a record deal how do i do that you know if I, especially if i can't find anybody to play with me i can't go on concerts right who do i go to where's a studio that i can go to maybe how much is that going to cost me you know so the all alternative those, all those all those questions and uh-huh. the same thing that happened like 10 years prior with becoming a musician happened again, becoming an author, becoming a published, go to a public publishing house, Mm -hmm. getting my books into a bookstore.
0: How do I do that? And the answer for so many of the authors that I've spoken with is the science fiction community, which is by far friendlier and more open and more supportive than any other genre except maybe bodice
1: rippers
0: (laughs) you know uh uh uh, was it you that told me that michael crichton started out
1: according to an article according to an article that i read um that i think they were interviewing michael crichton um and this is right around the time that i think jurassic park came out and he basically told the story about how he got started in writing he was writing under a pen name which i think he was using his sister's name <laughs> and and a and like a uh, some his mother's maiden name or somebody like that mm-hmm. um and he would write you know under this female you know pen name <laughs> i would you know have... all sorts all sorts of uh Of romance novels while he was going through medical school, and got his MD, uh, which of course was the basis for the Endometriosis. A lot of the a lot of the books that he wrote obviously have a very scientific and, and particularly medical. Mm-hmm. You know the Andromeda strain. Uh,
0: yep. is so, very so yeah, so so we sort of went from throbbing manhood and heaving bosoms to throbbing bosoms and heaving manhood, which is a very <laughs> different
1: visual, uh, exactly
0: visual iconography there.
1: Exactly, Andromeda. He, you know, you write to what you know. He used his mm-hmm. medical knowledge and background and, and training. Not to become a doctor, but to write novels based in that's, medical scientific, you know.
0: That's a strange thing when you think about it. I mean, he he trained to be a medical doctor, and and yeah. ended up as a science fiction writer.
1: As far as I know, he had you know he could legitimately put M.D. behind his name, um,
0: and it, unless he did the internship. I mean, it, you have to do the internship, and then yeah, you're...
1: yeah. I don't know how. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I I, I don't know how how far.
0: <laughs> How far, he, got How far he went
1: before, before he. Um, but uh, you know,
0: it's getting I'm back to the at
1: some point when he when he wrote I like I said I think the Andromeda Strain was mm-hmm. the first novel that he published under his own name.
0: And you would never reading that you would uh, you would not think that it was his first novel, and it wasn't because it wasn't, he'd been because he'd been he'd writing all
1: those all those little those smaller you know romance novels ahead of time. Um, so he had lots like, of
0: practice where nobody could, nobody could see what he was doing. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, or nobody but, cared. Uh, it was you know, Michael Crichton, you know. So, he
1: writes, you know, he writes the Andromeda Strain or whatever his first, whatever mm-hmm. his first book was. I'm assuming that was, I think that was it. Um, yeah. But you know, he writes that. It goes big. Mm-hmm. It makes a movie. What does he need a medical practice for? You know,
0: <laughs> at that point, yeah.
1: I, yeah exactly. The, you know, but getting back to the medical. Wherever he was in, in med school, uh-huh. I don't know, you know, where he was along that arc, but you know, you know, what do I, I uh, do this
0: for? Getting back to the point, uh, it's, it's very, very hard to do your work in a vacuum. You have to, this is the thing that I learned and this is the thing that you learned. Yeah. Uh, it's very hard to get things accomplished if you're trying to do it by yourself. Everybody rises together. And if you all work together, you can help each other rise. And that's the value of the science fiction writing community. There are people in it from at every level who are willing to help each other uh, get things done and, and help people make those connections. But if you're new to it and you're on the outside... It's very yeah. difficult, very difficult I didn't, to get to.
1: I didn't know. I, in many ways, I still don't know where to go. I, I'm still, mm-hmm. I'm still in the dark about a lot of that. I mean, I, I, I went, I went for, you know, 10 years basically wondering mm-hmm. how I was ever, I've got, I've got <laughs> the novel done. I'm actually, uh-huh. I'm, I was actually, you know, doing bits and starts of writing the sequel to it.
0: Mm-hmm. And now the book is and, on uh, Amazon. It's on uh, it's
1: on Amazon. It's on it's on Amazon in paperback form. Um, it's on Lulu in hardback form, mm-hmm. and it's in and it's in Smashwords. <laughs> well, in, that was
0: that the, was the the critical thing. Ebook form, yeah. Smashwords, because once it's in Smashwords, they redistribute it to like four or five of all
1: the various other you other know, distributors. Every 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 ebook uh, reader that mm-hmm. you you have out there, and but it took me ten years of. You know, and by then, by that time, the ebook thing had taken off. A lot of self publishing thing had taken off, and I really didn't know anything about that. And when you first it wrote the
0: book, it, it hadn't. It really yeah. it was just really no, just it. beginning to get started. So but it was, I, wasn't really I available. to
1: I, I didn't even jump on it when it started. It started mm-hmm. like you know, it really started p- picking up like about two, three years later. And I didn't mm-hmm. even jump on it then. I didn't. I waited another you know four or so more years beyond that mm-hmm. before I found amazon's um create program so now if if
0: people want to order a hardcover copy
1: they have to go to, of they your have book to, go to lulu they have, they to, they have
0: go, to go they have to go to lulu but they can do it it's possible so they to get a it, hardcover yeah. copy I, of your book you know,
1: i found CreateSpace, and they did a paperback mm-hmm. version you know in which gets sold through through amazon mm-hmm. and uh, i originally put that on also on kindle at the same time so the, but it was just but unfortunately, it's just Kindle, so mm-hmm, it's, it's very right. limited in that in that regard.
0: Have you so been uh, have about you been- a
1: year or so later? I found I found Crate Space and, mm-hmm. and decided to put it onto Crate Space, so I could broaden that market. And then soon after, I I found Lulu would do hardcovers, which CreateSpace Space and Amazon don't do. It's all mm-hmm. It's all paperback, and so Lulu does hardcovers too. So I did Lulu. So now I got all three of them, and and
0: that's great and now you're yeah. working on the second book what's what do you all have a that title myself, yeah. do you have a title for the second book
1: the second book is uh, is star child Regency
0: oh and, I I, lo- and, I love it that's a delicious title
1: yeah man that it it and so I'm not going to give it too much away for that. So, but I'm 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 almost done with that. I've only got a few more chapters left. So it's, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of me sitting down and and cranking those last few chapters out. And then I've got to go. In a sense, I got to go through the process all over again, and even more so because like I, I had to self edit my first one. Um, that's I, always know, I, rough. I did all my own mm-hmm. editing. I, I I put the cover up myself. I mm-hmm. it, you know about a, a year or two later, I I found an artist who would do a new cover. So mm-hmm. that's that's the new cover that's out there.
0: The covers make um, a huge difference, even in an ebook. Yes. Oh yes, yeah. You know, because it's it's uh, it's the thing that says that uh, to the reader that this book has something going on exactly. uh, instead of just a plain.
1: I had a very plain white cover. I'm, uh-huh. uh, well, I, I think, I think Susan has my first version of it, which is basically, it's, it's, uh-huh. it's the Star Child star on there with the title on it. It's just blank White. There it is. Um, and I thought that was, you yeah, know, that was a nice little thing, but, um, yeah. And
0: so did you notice the more, that sales? the more I
1: talked to people, the more I talked to other, once I had that uh-huh. done and I show people, Hey, look at my book. And they're like, well, it's a pretty plain cover. You should, you should do more with that.
0: Did you notice that uh, uh, your sales improved when you changed the covers out?
1: Ah, uh, no, not really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's it's so hard getting the word out uh, on a book. It's the social yeah. uh, social media aspect of promoting a book is almost more work than writing the darn book.
1: Oh yes, oh yes. I, I mean t- that's that's taken up. Unfortunately, that has ta- uh, taken up a good deal of my time. Um, is you know the. I mean I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm Mm -hmm. on Pinterest, I'm on I'm on, you know, LinkedIn. I'm on a I'm on a German I'm not a German, a Russian uh you know you know (laughs) uh, thing. Um
0: are you on Goodreads or um I'm on Goodreads. uh
1: Um I'm on I'm on everything that I can that I can think of and possibly find (laughs) and that that to to try to get the word out Mm -hmm. and And um,
0: this is just the beginning. It's yeah, onwards and upwards. Yeah. Well, Fred Strange, thank you so much for joining us on this evening's episode of the Event Horizon here on Krypton Radio. Uh, we have been talking to Fred Strange, author of the Star Child Prophecy, available on Amazon and uh, Lulu, and oh, tell me the other ones again, Smash please. Words? Smash words. Sh- uh, uh, my mouth is not working. Smash words, and uh, wherever e-books are sold thank you for joining us this evening thank you for having me you have just heard episode 97 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for April 18th 2015 our guest has been Fred Strange the author of Star Child Prophecy the first book in the Star Child series your host has been Gene Turnbow if you are an author or other creator and would like to be on the show, contact our production manager, Cat Carter, at, at KryptonRadio.com. This episode will air again on April nineteenth, two thousand fifteen, at four p.m. Pacific, and at various additional times throughout the coming week. See the Krypton Radio website at kryptonradio.com for show times in your area. Once all the show times have passed, you will find this episode and others as downloads at the Krypton Radio website and on iTunes and Stitcher as podcasts. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was Mark Schoenmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry, and the captain was voiced by legendary science fiction writer Larry Niven. This program and its contents, except where provided by others, are Copyright 2015 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon, it's sci fi for your Wi-Fi.